Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everyone. It's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Eye. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries Podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Indeed, Bet Online, and Monkey Knife Fight. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, week 15, almost in the books here. Yeah, it's almost done. Kind of a weird slate, right? A lot of good teams playing bad teams this week, not a lot of top matchups, but I think we still had some excitement given that, you know, we didn't have the premier matchups we would have liked. I mean, Chiefs Saints was pretty good, but besides that, I agree. A lot of monster spreads, big, big uh, dogs, and I mean, it it was another weekend of just trying to avoid the landmines out there. And uh, thoughts and prayers, all Jets fans. Well, I guess we can start with that. That's my Sunday scariest moment. Any Jets fan out there, they won outright as an 18 point dog versus the Rams, who. I mean, they lose ground in the NFC West, and now they're a wild-card team. Clearly in the look-ahead spot uh, with a matchup upcoming versus Seattle next weekend. 
pathetic loss for them. And Tyler, this this is what I love during the game. I don't know if you caught this. I know you're in Arizona, you're out watching the game somewhere, so I don't know if they had audio. But they mentioned how on Red Zone when they flipped to the Jets game that Sean McVay called Adam Gase during the week and was like, hey, just want to offer you some words of encouragement. Like, you guys are playing really hard. It's obvious. Like, it'll it'll click. Like, just stick with it. And then they lose. <laughs> yeah, that, that's an A-hole move. And you're kind of just asking to lose, right, by calling Gase and putting that out there. But I agree with you. That was going to be my Sunday scariest moment as well for Jets fans. Um, you know, starting 0-13 has been an absolutely miserable year. And to lose this game, or to win this game, I guess they lose in a sense, to a, a playoff team in the Rams that is like trying to win, trying to keep pace in the NFC West, it sucks. And now the Jags have the inside edge uh, for the number one pick. And it feels like the Jets, rightfully so, have gotten so much criticism this year for how bad they've been. But, you know, the Jags, they really fooled us. They won week one versus the Colts, and the Colts obviously are a good team. And the Jags have lost 13 straight, they lost 40 to 14. This week, they've kind of flown under the radar as being one of the most terrible teams in the league. But now they hold inside position to get the number one pick and probably most likely take Trevor Lawrence. And for the Jets, they stay in that two spot. Um, you know, Trev- or Justin Fields, he looked pretty bad yesterday versus Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game. Some questions get raised there, like, you know, the plan was we trade Darnold, we take Lawrence, and we go from there. Now it's like, do you still do that same plan with Justin Fields? Do you have that much confidence he could be franchise quarterback? I don't know. And I was, I was saying to my friends, and what you mentioned, you know, a lot of big spreads with good teams playing bad teams. Like one of these big underdogs was bound to win today. I didn't think it was going to be the Jets. And they pulled off an upset. And what was most shocking about this game you know, we've seen Jared Goff struggle. You could see that look in his eyes early, and I foolishly live bet the Rams when they were down, and I thought Same. I had it in the fourth quarter. That really wiped out some of my winnings uh, from the day. But we've seen that before. But the Jets' offense was, like, pretty competent, and they were moving the ball. It felt like the Rams couldn't stop them for most of this game. They outpossessed the Rams 34 minutes at 25. It just felt like a lot of the game they couldn't get off the field, and then they got some momentum in the fourth quarter. But when they needed to get the stop at the end of the game, Frank Gore, they couldn't do, uh, it. <laughs> they couldn't do it. Frank Gore had a game-winning, game-sealing uh, reception. It's just like, what world are we living in that Frank Gore is making these plays? Um, he's celebrating. Obviously, he doesn't like to lose, and I'm sure no one on the Jets does, but every Jets fan was uh, screeching in pain at that point. In, in a game that the Jets win versus the Rams, who I literally – I think on Wednesday, I bet on Bills Rams Super Bowl. Uh, I think it was like 35 to 1 odds. They lose to the Jets quickly thereafter. Frank Gore touched the ball 24 times in this game. Frank Gore, 23 carries, 59 yards, one catch, six yards. And I agree, Tyler. Nobody cares about fantasy football. I had the Rams defense and fantasy. That seemed like a no brainer slam dunk. I had that lined up a couple weeks out, feeling good about myself. Darnold played well. I mean, 22 31, 207 yards, one touchdown. This week. Um, I similarly I similarly took the Rams minus four and a half early in this one um, in the live line, and they just like never really got it together. It just the Jets just were the better team. It's like a crazy thing to say, but they were. The Rams had a couple of bad penalties. Um, I don't know. Cam Akers had a touchdown run in those. I don't know. A tacky, a, a ticky tack uh, holding call, but 
you got to give it to the Jets. The Jets have been kind of competitive for a couple weeks now. I mean, we had the the Raiders game, uh, but with Darnold, he seems like he's not. I mean, he's not that bad. Like it's just a matter of the Flacco thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm not a huge believer in Darnold. Obviously, his situation's been so bad that he's not as bad as maybe he's seen, but. He also hasn't thrown – this was the first time he threw for over 200 yards since week four, and I know he missed a couple games, but that's still pathetic. But an underratedly big play that happened in this game, and I saw someone point this out on Twitter, was the Rams got a stop. It was 23-20 to 20 with a little for five minutes to go. Jets punt. The punter on the Rams looked like he's about to take it yeah, back tackled. for a touchdown, maybe even to the red zone, and the punter trips him up. I mean, that saved them because then the Rams – then they had third and four – on the Jets 37, and their two play calls back-to-back were pretty terrible. I didn't know what McVay was doing there, and then the Jets kind of sealed the game from there. So I don't know where the Jets go from this. And for the Rams, you know, I've been pretty bullish on them this year, and I don't know if this is just a bad game because we've seen how inconsistent they've been, but I think it's just more representative that the NFC is so inconsistent. Like, week to week, you don't know what you're getting, and I don't, like, want to be a hater about some of these teams, but even, like, the Packers being 11-3, and three, like, watch them last night versus Carolina, and, like, they looked pretty good, but I don't feel like that's an overwhelmingly dominant team. It just speaks to how open this NFC is, really, right? Yeah, it's it's completely wide open. They control their own destiny now for the one seed. And I do want to circle back on the point you made about when the Rams had the balls third and four around the Jets 40, 45 or so in the fourth quarter, and they basically just ran, like, two deep pl- deep pass plays, which didn't really make sense. Um, Like, you know, at that point, you're likely in four-down territory. You might as well run the ball on third down, see if you could chip away at it, and then kind of open up the playbook on fourth down a little more. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. This this Rams team, a little bit Jekyll and Hyde, but to your point, the NFC in general is this year. Um, So that's, that's my Sunday scariest moment. That's yours. Do you have a backup one? Or, I mean, overall, I think there's enough Sunday scaries going around in the New York, uh, New Jersey area tonight um, to, to make up the entire segment. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, I guess another one that I didn't think about too much, but just looking at the slate, you know, the Raiders, they lost in overtime to the Chargers on Thursday night. And I felt like a game they blew, you know, they were six and three and now, They've kind of started to crater, so their season looks done. So many Sunday scaries for them. But let's go on to some game recaps. Um, let's start with the premier game going into the weekend, uh, Chiefs-Saints. Chiefs won 32-29. to Depends what you got the Chiefs at. When we previewed it, as it was at three, so it was a push. Line before the game got up to three and a half, so six straight games you could say the Chiefs didn't cover. Um, but it doesn't really seem to matter. I'm still convinced they just kind of cruise, and this game just looks so much easier for Mahomes, and the final score is kind of misleading because it never felt like the Saints were really in it. Breeze really struggled in this game, coming back from injury. He's 15-34, threw three touchdowns, had a pick, but he was never in rhythm. Chiefs kind of dominated the box score when you look at it. They had 34 first downs compared to the Saints' 15. Third down, they're they're nine of eighteen. Saints were one of eleven. They outgained the Saints by uh, 160 yards in time possession. This is staggering. Uh, they had 41 minutes of time possession. Saints had 18. They ran 40 more plays. I mean, the Chiefs really dominated this game, and it just seems like they're just on a different level with everyone. And right now, it's hard to see how they lose. Um, but what did you think of this game? Yeah, I mean. 
So the Chiefs went up real quick in this one, 14 nothing, and I said to you, I was like, I hate betting against Mahomes. Um, but the Saints did come back. They're up 15-14. I do want to talk about the Saints kind of had that botched um, play before the half where they forced the fumble, and the ball basically was kicking around in the end zone. I'm like, oh, my God, the Saints are going to get a cheap touchdown here. They're basically going to tie it up. Uh, at the end of the half, and they, they just, like, botch it. Like, those special teams guys, they always – feels like the ball finds a way. It's kind of squirt out of the end zone, and it does. So it's 14-9, and the Saints got off to a quick start. The Chiefs had, like, multiple penalties on the first drive out of the half, and I was like, wow, the Saints are winning. Like, this is kind of crazy. And then Mahomes just does Mahomes things. Like, he's just – Russell Wilson at times will get this way when, like, he's at the peak of his powers, like we saw earlier in the season or when – Seattle's really clicking, but like the way the way Mahomes is able to just like be in control, even when I felt like the Saints did a good job of getting pressure on him in this game. I mean, he he was twenty six to forty seven. So they did a decent job. They sacked him four times, but his ability to make plays and he's not known as this uh, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray mobile quarterback, but he's mobile enough and just so crafty in and around the pocket. And his ability to buy time and just, I mean, the Chiefs have so many weapons that it's impossible to stay on these guys after you get maybe three to five seconds after he drops back. Um, so it's like repeatedly when you bet against him, and even it just gave me back more nightmares of the Super Bowl, but like he is impossible. Um, but the Chiefs, they did lose Clyde Edwards Alaire in this one. Didn't see yet what exactly his injury was, but didn't look great the way he was coming off. The field, Le'Veon Bell got a little banged up too at the end of this game, so that's both worth kind of monitoring um, for for this Chiefs team. And on the Saints side, the ball Breeze was just like so rusty. His numbers look okay, uh, threw three touchdowns, but fifteen to thirty four is not going to cut it. It seemed like he was definitely a bit rusty, as as one would expect in the first half. Um, but I don't know; it's kind of more the same with the Saints. Like they went up, but then just not enough Alvin. Mara, ever. I think the entirety of this podcast we spoke about that. Just, like, give that guy the ball more. He only touched the ball 14 times in this game. Michael Thomas is hurt. Manuel Sanders had an okay game. He had a nice long pass, a uh, nice reception. But, like, you got to just find ways to get that guy the ball and keep Mahomes on the sideline. Yeah, I mean, I want to give credit to the Chiefs' defense also. I agree with you that Breeze was definitely rusty, but I did feel like their defense was kind of – making it uncomfortable in certain situations for the Saints. Romo pointed out on one play where Breeze was kind of holding the ball long, but you show, like, the overhead shot, and just no one on the Chief, or on the Saints was open. So I think the Chiefs' defense did play pretty well, uh, considering, you know, how they've been and what we thought uh, the Saints would do them in this game. So got to yeah. give them credit. And I, I agree with you with the punt play. That, that was a huge swing because they went into the half, and that game was, it would have been tied. Yeah, um, been that's, tied. A hu- that's a huge momentum swing. I mean, Robinson, that was such a stupid play running back that going into half. But even when the Saints went up, it's like, okay, Mahomes is still going to score. And the scariest thing about him is, like you said, the Saints did a good job of getting pressure, especially without blitzing. But when Mahomes is scrambling, if he, like, steps up and can, like, get his footing for, like, even a half a second, it's like, you know, a compl- like, a big completion is coming. It's so terrifying gambling against him. Um, so, I mean, he's he's incredible. And not to open old wounds, but the fact that the 49ers had them limited to 10 points midway through the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl is kind of incredible, just given how explosive we've seen this offense be this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he's 
he's awesome and just feels like, I don't know. I mean, like I said on the pick on pod, whenever there's a team that everyone thinks is going to win the Super Bowl, it feels like they usually don't. So we'll see what happens. But right now, it, I mean, them and Buffalo seem like they're head and shoulders above everyone else. And then it's kind of like the Packers, Saints, and I don't know, maybe throw in another, maybe the Titans. Yeah, yeah, everyone else. But if, I mean, the fact that we ended up pushing on this one with the Saints, it does feel like a win. Like at the box score, like you said, this. When we previewed the game, it was like, okay, Taysom Hill, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, some more. Kim Holmes on the sideline. Saints had 10 penalties in this game. They turned the ball over once. They only had the ball for a little over 18 minutes. Like, to to leave this one with a push feels like a little bit of a win in a sense. Um, but next game we want to hit on, this was another. Saints was a nice backdoor push. Washington football team, that was a nice backdoor cover by Dwayne Haskins. The way this game was going in the first half, Seattle got the ball early. They drove down the field, and Washington held them to field goal. I was like, okay, I'm feeling pretty good about this. And then Seattle goes up 13 nothing, and I'm like, I don't I don't know if Washington's going to have enough. Haskins threw a pretty bad pick um, when they were driving, but they did have the ability to kind of move the ball. And we saw that develop in the second half. Um, and they made it close. I mean, they had a possession then to this game to potentially go up. They kind of ran out of steam. But I actually, from what I saw out of Haskins in the second half, he looked pretty good. Like, he was he's making plays. He's moving around in the pocket. Granted, we saw Cam Newton tear up the Seattle pass defense early in the season. But Washington, I still, I still do like this team. Yeah. I, I do like them as well. I mean, Haskins was awful in the first half, and I thought coming out of college he would be pretty good. I thought he was awesome his last year at Ohio State. Maybe that was just the talent around him. But this was, another, like you said, good backdoor cover because it felt like for a while Seattle's going to blow them out. But kind of what we talked about, Washington's defense kept them in this game. Will threw for 121 yards. He had a touchdown and a pick. You know, they were able to limit the pass game. They did give up 181 rushing yards, so – I think, again, it comes down to, like, these teams in the NFC week to week, you don't know what you're getting. Seattle, one week could be this explosive passing offense, and you're wondering, how does anyone defend DK and Tyler Lockett and Russ? And then the next week, they're, like, kind of down to earth. It's so much inconsistency. But I do like this Washington team. I think Rivera has turned it around a lot in his first year there, and they have something building there. I don't think Haskins is the long-term answer, but – if they were to get into the playoffs and win the NFC East, which they still have a good shot at doing, like I think they're more than capable of giving whoever that five seed is um, a, a hassle or a problem right now. The last two games are pretty winnable. They play home versus Carolina and at Philadelphia. So I think that's a pretty favorable schedule to maybe win it at the end here. I saw um, if the Bucks win out, they will get the five seed. So if the Bucks are playing Washington right now and – I think Bucks would be over touchdown favorite. I'd honestly feel pretty good about Washington just because I think that defense is solid and offensively they they have some playmakers. J.D. McKissick is solid. Logan Thomas has turned into a really nice tight end. McLaurin is good as we know. So I think Washington is like a decent threat if they get into that into the uh, playoffs. Yeah, I mean that's that's what was impressive with this game today out of Washington. They're out their best quarterback, maybe the greatest quarterback of all time, and Alex Smith. And Antonio Gibson, who's really come on the last couple months of the season with the toe injury, and they're still able to to cover this game in in a 
East Coast game for Seattle, which we know actually historically they do a decent job of covering those. Um, but Seattle now is in first place in the NFC West. Russell Wilson was very limited in this one. Um, and I, I agree that Washington, Washington versus Tampa would be an interesting matchup because Tampa's pass game is really where they make, make their moves and they have so many weapons on the outside. But so we've seen it with the Giants in past years versus Brady, right? Like, if you can get a pass rush on him and get him moving around in the pocket a little bit, smells issues for him. So we'll see there. Um, next game, Tyler, you want to talk about? Shall we do uh, Bears-Vikings, NFC North battle? Uh, Mitchell Trubisky, I think they're going to have to bring him back for another year, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he looked pretty good today. Looking at his, his box score, I felt like he played a lot better, but 200 yards, he had a touchdown, he had an awful pick. So Trubisky, um, yeah, part the of one. The, yeah. Yeah, the, the true Trubisky we know came out. But for the most part, they were able to move the ball. David Montgomery, I mean, we talked about in the pick and pod, he started to emerge. This was the guy they thought they were getting last year as a rookie. People were saying, oh, he'd be what Kareem Hunt was for the Chiefs when he came in. Really didn't have the success, but the last month or so, he's really started to come on. He had 146 yards, two touchdowns. The Bears keep, you know, their playoff hopes alive. They're 7-7. Seven and seven. They keep Bear fans, you know, keep them hanging on for this week. And for Minnesota, this is a terrible loss. A game, they're three-point favorites. A game, if you feel like they should win. I know there's no home field advantage, but still at home versus a divisional team you beat a few weeks ago. Like, I think Minnesota is the better team. They have more talent offensively. But Kirk Cousins in the red zone just continues to struggle. There was – I got a notification. There was a uh, play where they had third down. He misses Jefferson in the back of the end zone, and Jefferson was caught on a hot mic saying, like, effing Kirk. Like, you still get those moments with Kirk Cousins and the fact there are no fans we get to hear. That so this was a bad loss for Minnesota, a game that felt like they should have won. Um, and of course, we had Minnesota minus three, so I, was, I bet on them as well. Give up 200 rushing yards to the Bears is pretty pathetic. Um, what, what did you think of this one? Yeah, it just seemed like every every time I was watching this game and the Bears had the ball on offense, I had no faith in Vikings defense to be able to stop them at all. Um, they were just moving the ball up and down on the field at will, and it just. I don't know what Kirk Cousins sometimes he has these games where the stat sheet looks okay, but the Bears defense and their their ability to get pressure on him, I mean they, they got three sacks in this game. They're able to do enough. Um and I mean the the Vikings had their chances in the red zone. One pulled up. Yeah, they were they were two for four within the red zone. So not being able to really convert and get touchdowns there ultimately ended up ended up biting them. Um Trubisky, he threw the one pick, but besides that, he looked good and like he's mobile. He makes plays. He moves around. Um, I feel like there's a lot of rumors I'm seeing on 49ers Twitter about them picking up Trubisky, which not not here for at all. They're also tagged to every quarterback on the, that could potentially be a free agent, whether it's Stafford, Matt Ryan, all these different guys. It's like okay, everyone just relax for a second. But this is a big win for the Bears. You got to give them credit. They were. I absolutely left them for dead a couple weeks ago. They beat up on the Texans last week, and they took care of business here in Minnesota. Team that we know, historically speaking, with this Kirk Cousins and uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on the head coach. Thank you, Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer. Regime. 
Mike Zimmer regime at home, typically versus under 500 teams, they take care of business, they cover, and uh, they did not do that today. So, I don't know. Dalvin Cook, more of the same there. But I was very confident in the Vikings minus three. I was happy I took their over as well. That that went way over. But uh, I don't know. That's it for the Vikings. I think we could cross them off. Yeah, they're dead, and definitely got to give credit to the Bears. Like you said, they started 5-1, and one, then they lost six in a row. Now they've won two in a row. I think Bears fans are happy. You know, they're showing some life, but long-term, I don't know if this is the best. If they continue to finish strong and they finish 9-7, and seven, get in the playoffs or miss it, just because Trubisky isn't the long-term answer at quarterback, I don't think. And Matt Nagy is definitely not the long-term answer as coach. I think they're playing well just because they were playing – I think they were playing out of their minds the first six games, and then they are playing so bad. Now they're evening out at where they are. Like, I don't think Nagy's the long-term answer, but they play well. Maybe they bring him back and they bring back the GM another year. I don't think that's the best uh, scenario for the Bears long-term, but we'll see what happens. And one last game I want to touch on before we uh, take a break. The game last night, the Bills-Broncos obviously is a blowout. Bills won 48-19, but – the Bills continue to look amazing. They've won since they lost those back-to-back games in the middle of the season when people kind of started to cool off on them. They've won seven and one since then, and their only loss was to Arizona on the Hell Hell Mary. I always think Hell Mary uh, in my head, but they've been seven and one since then. They continue to look dominant. Josh Allen, like you said, back in the MVP form. I don't know if I'll get there, but he's definitely making a, a late push there. And I don't know if you saw the video of when they arrived back. After the game, they clinched their first. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was like it was like remember the Titans. Yeah, the fans at the at the airport. It's definitely cool. I don't know if it's COVID friendly, but um, it's definitely a cool moment there. <laughs> they won their first division since '95. Kind of stinks that they won't have fans because they've had some great games this year at home potentially that they're missing fans. Uh, the Steelers game uh, last week would have been great if they had fans, the but if, I mean if they. Yeah, the Rams, if they had fans uh, for that first home playoff game in all this time, I mean, it would be absolute madness there. So that stinks, but the Bills continue to look impressive, and I don't think it's a crazy thing to say that right now they're the second-best team in the league behind the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, Josh, Josh Allen is unbelievable. 28-40, 3-59, two touchdowns. My MVP future on him is getting a little bit of life. For a second there, early in this uh the Chiefs-Saints game, when Mahomes' stats weren't that great. Um, I was like, hmm, maybe if the, the Saints win and he throws a couple picks, maybe the Josh Allen hype machine will really get cooking. But I think it's a little too little too late in terms of him to win MVP. But they, him and Stephon Diggs, that connection is insane. 11 catches, 147 yards for him. Uh, it seems like both teams really ended up making out like bandits in that trade. Uh, for separate reasons, and the thing is, like, it's kind of like a simplistic way to say it, but, like, the Bills are just, like, a very fun team to watch. Like, he just slings the ball all over the field. Yeah, they're super aggressive. We've talked about it. Um, They're one of the most aggressive teams on first down. I think their offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, will get a lot of head coaching buzz. I think if he went to the Chargers, that would be a great fit with Herbert there, so they're super fun to watch, and I, I do think they have a legitimate chance to make a run in the AFC and potentially beat the Chiefs. I think their offense is good, and it seems like their defense is starting to come on here late in the season. And between Diggs, Cole Beasley is really nice as a slot receiver. I think they have enough to give the Chiefs a game. But let's take a quick break. When we come back, 
we'll recap our locks of the week and give out our Grandpa Billy's Bums of the Week. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you could still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You could get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Cody. Now let's move on to our Locks of the Week recap. Um, We've been on the phone for 38 minutes or so. And you haven't congratulated me yet on winning the Locks of the Week Championship of the Year. That makes it two years in a row. Um, how do you feel? I'm, I'm really happy for you. I think I responded to your tweet. I said, I'm really happy for you and your model. I know it's been a lot of time and effort you've put into that thing. Um, so, yeah, congratulations. It's, it's a nice little run you, you have. I saw my eyes set on our overall year-to-date records and fairly focused on, on beating keeping keeping my margin there these these stupid ESPN ads keep popping up but um yeah so you know what Tyler I'm I'm happy for you it's it's not easy to pick a lock of the week you've done it with um remarkable efficiency this year and and you've really recovered from year one we should dig up when we made the switch over to blue wire we had to scrape the old the old audio tapes but I think you had a pretty bad losing streak to start there, so it would be worth digging into that. Well, yeah, to get, it wasn't we'll great. to get someone on that. It wasn't great, but you know, I'm not. I don't like to move the goalposts like you seem to do. Um, you know, you focus on the the games we preview. You know, in the locks of the week, it's always been more important to you. But I see you're moving the goalposts, so it's okay. Um, but thank you for giving me. My um, do, yeah. It's been it's been a tough ride. Obviously, first year really struggled, but last two years I've came back strong. And for everyone who didn't see my tweets, uh, check out Tyler underscore Full Slate. I made some good uh, memes with Cody in my face. Um, but yeah, it was good. I had the Dolphins minus one today, and you liked um, to keep tagging me in tweets this morning how so much of the public was on the Dolphins and <laughs> how how the Sharps were on the, the Patriots. And I knew that was going to be the case, but you know what wasn't. I was just letting I was just letting you know. 
But, yeah, you yeah. know what wasn't sharp? This uh, the Patriots offense. They were terrible again. Damn. Um, Squirts. Yeah. yeah. Cam was seventeen and twenty-seven for two hundred nine. He actually didn't look that bad, but this Patriots offense just has really no explosiveness. They got eliminated from the playoffs first time since was it two thousand eight when Matt Castle came in for Brady. Even that year, they won eleven they, games, they, but they won eleven they games. Just, didn't they? Yeah, this streak was due to end at some point, so incredible streak. But another game for the Dolphins where they win, they don't look super impressive. Tua just kind of does what he does, Not nothing great. He's 20 of 26, 145 yards. He had an interception. I was nervous at the beginning of this game. They went right down the field. They would third and goal, and you spoiled it for me because I was watching on my phone at the time, and you texted me, oh, Tua, and he threw a pick three seconds later, so I was very irritated. But kind of the story of this team and their offense more specifically, they were missing uh, Gasicki and Devontae Parker. So they were down some weapons, but their running back, Salvin Ahmed, who's really came out of nowhere, he had a really nice game today. 23 carries, 122 yards, touchdown. He got their offense going. So if they're able to find something with this running game with Ahmed and they get some of these weapons back, I do think they'll be able to be a frisky team in the playoffs. But Tua just continues to kind of be underwhelming and they win. In spite of him, they're losing 6 nothing at halftime, and I was definitely hoping they might trot out Fitzpatrick uh, to start second half, but they responded well, outscored the Patriots 22-6. to So like I tweeted, I swam with the Dolphins today, and I came out victorious. Um, so it was great to lock it up in Week 15, not have to drag it out like I did last year to Week 17. So, again, year one I struggled. Year two, I won the last week. This year, I won week 15. So it's all about making those incremental improvements in gambling and in life. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very meta of you there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the Dolphins, I mean, they ran for 250 yards in this game. It was impressive. Tua is, is very mediocre. He's a game manager, but he ran for two touchdowns. He made the big plays when they needed to. Uh, he threw a bad pick in the first quarter when I texted you silly Tua, but he, he improved after that. Cam Newton kind of looks like he's not throwing a football. looks like he's throwing like a 10-pound dumbbell every time he goes <laughs> to throw the ball. Because it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like his arm, the motion in which he like throws it, it's like he's like shot-putting instead of throwing a football. Yeah. Yeah, he never, I mean, he never had great mechanics. That was always a knock on him, but he was just so athletic that really was able to make up for it. But at this point, he's had so many injuries, and I'm sure he's hurt again at this point. Um, so, yeah, I, I can see that motion now of him trying to throw a dumbbell and obviously not being able to do that successfully. Guy who also had a nice game, uh, Matt Burita, former 49er. Yeah. He had 86 yeah, rushing 86 yards. Rush. Yeah. Averaged seven yards a carry. So another nice win for the Dolphins. They keep pace in the AFC playoff picture, so right now they're tied with Baltimore 9-5. I guess they have the edge on them. And Cleveland's playing right now versus the Giants. They're up 7-3, to three. so I would like to see this Miami team get in. I, I, even though I don't think two is great, I'd like to see him get into the playoffs and just kind of see what they can do because I think when they do have weapons, he's played a little better. Um, but, yeah, it's it a good win for them. But let's move on to your lock of the week. You had the under in the Eagles-Cardinals game. This was dead from, like, the, the moment the game kicked off. And I can't be too critical because I bet on it, too. I liked it as well. You had the under. Was it 49 and a half? Um, yeah. This, this ended up being arguably probably the best game of the Sunday slate. Yeah, the most exciting game of the day. So, I mean, props to that, I props. guess. Um, thank you. Thank you. But, yeah, the total at 
halftime was 46. So this this was not mm. not in good shape. But um, I mean, the way it started, it was it was okay. Then uh, the Eagles or the Cardinals got a safety, um, and then from there the game kind of took off and spiraled out out of control pretty quickly. There are a couple things going on here. The Cardinals blocked a punt early in this game, and which is just never good. You never want quick scores, turnovers. So for all intents and purposes, the Cardinals turned the ball over three times, and there was a blocked punt in this game. So there's basically four turnovers. There's almost a 1,000 yards of offense. The reason my, my whole game script and my, my thought here in, in taking this as my lock, both these teams are very run-heavy uh two of the best run, running teams in the NFL, but they were, were throwing the ball all over the field with no issues at all. So, hand up. That's on me. Jalen Hurts didn't do much of anything in the passing game versus the Saints, and that may just have been because they're playing against one of the best pass defense at hindsight. It's 20-20 there, but he threw for 338, three touchdowns. He rushed for another 63 yards uh, and, and had another touchdown with his legs. He was really good, and they, I mean, they were driving the ball late in this game to tie it up. They had a bad, uh, they had a missed extra point, which is brutal. I know Alex tweeted it out from the full slate account. He was on the Eagles six and a half. That cost a lot of people. That's a brutal beat. Um, but he was really like making a ton of plays and doing anything he wanted. They had a bad drop touchdown late in the game on the pass he threw. It was kind of right in the breadbasket. I think it was Dallas Goddard that dropped it. But Kyler Murray, again, I was like, ah, he's been banged up, hasn't been the same. Well, this looks like the Kyler Murray. Murray saw that beat the Bills. He threw for 406, three touchdowns, um, and they were literally just throwing all over the Eagles in this game. So, yeah, end up a bad lock of the week. Not my best work. I still stand by my game plan in terms of all the research and the stats I uh, I, I found. It all makes sense, but there are just a lot of turnovers in this game, and that never helps anything, especially when one team gets up 16 nothing. It's never really good for an over to have a team chasing and just slinging the ball all over the field. Yeah, hey, sometimes the model's wrong. No one's perfect. Um, but this was a great game for uh, Lincoln Riley, the coach of Oklahoma, because these were his last two quarterbacks previ- previous to True. this year. Both of great, them, great recruiting. Both of them balled out. We probably should have noticed that uh, coming into this game, that it would be a shootout. But like you said, Jalen Hurts was awesome. Um, just in extending plays with his legs, throwing it, I mean – he was great. I didn't think he would be much of anything coming out of college. Like, I thought he could be in the NFL. I didn't think he'd be a productive starter. Don't want to overreact. It's only his second start. But the fact that they were able to play like this and how bad they've been with Carson Wentz, really bad sign for Wentz and a good sign for Hurts because everyone who defended Carson Wentz, all we heard about is the offensive line is banged up. They don't have any weapons. The coaching stinks. Well, it looks like it's pretty good with Jalen Hurts, so. Not a great time for Wentz, and there was a report today that if he's the backup, he doesn't want to be there. Um, so it looks like he's not going to be there because if Jalen Hurts continues to play like this, I don't see him relinquishing that job. He just adds a different element. Um, so I don't know what happened with Wentz, but, yeah, this was a great game. Like you said, Kyler looked back to his old self. When you have, like, those many turnovers early in a game, you just know it's pacing for an over. So it kind of just got away from you quick. And a side note on this game, I texted you about this. Uh, Akib Talib was doing color commentary. I think this is the mm-hmm. first year doing it for Fox. Yeah. He was awesome. He, like, gives you everything you want from a color guy. He, like, could break down the game from, like, a good perspective of a player. He's also entertaining. 
So that was that was a great add-on to was one of uh, the best games of the day. But let's wrap up with our Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week. Holly, you go first, Cody. Thank you, Tyler. Um, my Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week, I'm I'm just going to kind of give it overall. It was it was a perfect way for Thursday Night Football to end uh, between the Chargers and Raiders here. Just like both those teams generally, it feels like they're kind of stuck in this abyss between, we'll say, 5-11 and 11 to maybe 9-7 and seven at best. Um, I know the Chargers were good a couple of years ago, but these teams, it was just like a comedy of errors on Thursday night, and it was the perfect way to wrap it up. Uh, this season, Anthony Lynn was pulling out all the stops, settling for like 48-yard field goals um, with Michael Badgley, who's been terrible this year, icing his own kicker, who's been, again, he's been miserable. I think uh, Justin Herbert threw the ball once in the fourth quarter, uh, which is insane because he was, I mean, pull up his stats, he was unbelievable in this game. He was 22 32 314, two touchdowns. And it felt like every time they ran the ball, they were just doing the Raiders such a massive favor. They ran the ball 29 times for 96 yards, so not really efficient at all. Um, and on the Raiders' side of the ball, you had Marcus Mariota, who came in and like lit the world on fire, um, and then quickly he threw a bad he threw a bad pick uh, at the end of this game. It ultimately, I guess, didn't totally end up mattering. They lost anyway, but um, I I don't know. Just these two teams are kind of stuck in a situation where they have talent on paper. They would be fun teams to play with in Madden, even though I haven't played Madden in a while. Uh, but they just like kind of underachieve. And I know Gruden, the team got off to a good start early in the season. Um, and they've had some moments, but both these teams just kind of continue to stub stub their toe and, and walk over each other. And like, I'll even like throw the Broncos in, in this discussion as well. Like these teams, they're, trying so hard to knock down the Chiefs. And besides the one year where the Chargers went, what, 12-4, and four, and then they got destroyed by the Pats two years ago, it's kind of just been Andy Reid's division. Um, so it's a, kind of a combination of all these things. They continue to make silly plays and, and can't get out of their own way. So um, I guess that's just like an AFC West sans uh, the Chiefs, Grandpa Billy Bum of the Week. Yeah, I agree. I mean, all those teams are – looking up at the Chiefs, and they're pretty far back. I think the Chargers, with the right coach, could get there because, as we say every year, they do have a lot of talent, but they just need someone to be able to put it together. And having Herbert in fantasy, it's so frustrating watching their play calling because just let him throw. Let him throw the ball 50 times a game. Let him do what the Bills do with Josh Allen. Just drop back. Let him throw. They're so much more efficient that way. They're so much better offensively that way when they try getting into the run game. Makes no sense. Anthony Lynn, it's on his last legs. I'm glad he's coaching the special teams. Seems like they've really improved over the last couple of weeks. And with the Raiders, we've, we've seen it the last two years now where midseason they're looking good, kind of in that wild card race. You know, they play a good game versus the Chiefs or another quality team. People think they're solid, and then they just fall apart. I think it's partially Gruden, partially Derek Carr being your quarterback. I know he got hurt in this game, but just for the season, um, so, yeah, that was what we would expect from those two teams playing Thursday night. So it was definitely entertaining. And the Broncos, I put them in a tease, which was so stupid. Um, I don't know why I did that. They're terrible, and I, th- I think that team is horrible. Um, but let me wrap up with my Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week. You know, we don't usually talk about IU football at the end of the show. We usually talk about them at the beginning, but I wanted to hold off for the Bum of the Week. So making the bum a week, my college, the college football playoff committee 
it's not even solely IU based, even though they got screwed. It's the whole system makes no sense. They released the final rankings for who gets into the playoff uh, this year. You know, Notre Dame gets in as the four seed. We've seen them play against these big teams so many times, and they always get killed. They lost in the championship game yesterday to Clemson, and I know they beat Clemson earlier in the year, but they wouldn't have beat them if Trevor Lawrence was out uh, with COVID. We we know that's that to be true. Ohio State gets in at the three seed. Their best win is IU. That's what kind of gets them in, even though they've played a lot less games than most teams. But then IU doesn't get that same respect. IU is behind Iowa State, who's lost three games. They lost to a Sun Belt team by 17 points. They're behind Oklahoma, who's lost two points two games. Um, we went through it all with IU. Cincinnati Florida. doesn't get – yeah, Florida has three losses. They give up 40 points to Alabama. When when Alabama gives up 40 points to Florida, it's like, oh, you know, Florida's a good team. When Ohio State gives up 40 points to IU, it's like, oh, Ohio State has issues in the secondary. I don't know when this lack of respect happened for the Big Ten, but it's terrible. Gary Barda, the – the chairman of the CFP said, oh, yeah, it's been a real pleasure watching IU this year. Like, he's an absolute idiot. Um, for IU to be even behind Northwestern makes no sense. Northwestern, who lost to Ohio State by more points, and they also lost a second game to Michigan State, who IU beat 24 to nothing. So for them to have a higher bowl game than IU makes no sense. IU is now playing Ole Miss in the Outback Bowl, and Ole Miss is 4-5. and five. It's all bullshit. The college football playoff is only designed for the big teams to make it. And I get it. It's money. They want Ohio State. They want those blue blood programs. But the fact even Cincinnati, who went undefeated, is behind Oklahoma, who I said lost two games, A&M, like those power five or those group of five teams, what they're called, well, like a Gonzaga is in college basketball, they're never going to have a chance to make it. And it's so dumb because what's the point of them even having the season and them going undefeated? It really amounts to nothing. So the whole thing is stupid. I think the only solution is they expand it and let more of these teams in because right now the way it's constituted, they only let the same teams in every year. We know what's going to happen. Alabama is going to kill Notre Dame in that game. Clemson's probably going to beat uh, Ohio State pretty handily, and then we'll have the national championship game from there. But it's all so stupid. It's the same thing. There's so much interest in it, but the fact IU got held out of a New Year's Six game was bad, and the fact the team like Cincinnati – and Coastal got screwed over. It's just, it's all bias at this point. Yeah, but Tom Allen tweeted out blinders and earmuffs. Yeah, that's that's been the uh, saying all year. And like Fred Glass, who's the old um, IU athletic director, he was pretty outspoken about it, saying they don't want they don't want IU to be a good football school because then that'll take away, you know, recruits from some of the other big teams in the Big Ten that already have a big following. Kind of the only way to get rid of that is to keep winning. So I hope they destroy Ole Miss in the bowl game, even though, like, I feel bad for the seniors because this is the best team I use had in program history in, like, 30 years, and they're playing in, like, a meaningless bowl game, really. If they were in a New Year's Six game, which they deserve to be in, then it would mean more. But it's it's so dumb. I mean, I hope they destroy Ole Miss, but it's really disappointing. And it just it speaks to what you hear every year. That's he's Jeez. The SEC bias and all this uh, going on. So it was, a, it was a frustrating day with that going on, along with losing most of my bets. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a lot to take in on a Sunday, at least out back. So I hope Tom Allen and the boys enjoy a few blooming onions before the game. Actually, probably after the game would be better. But um, Great food, bad bowl game. <laughs> print the shirts, IU football. 
Um, yeah, yeah. So that wraps up another week. Uh, um, you know, Tyler will love to stay tuned on the year-to-date records on, on Pick'em. But, again, congratulations to you. All the Full Slate community is very proud of you. Um, I know I speak on behalf of everyone there and uh, just have to get better for, for year four. Um, so we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode of the Pick'em Pod. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.